Chapter Twenty Nine of Lost for Love by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Nine. There shall be time for deeds, and soon enough let that come when it may, and it may be deeds must be done shall shut and shrivel up all quiet thoughts and quite preclude repose to the end of time upon this narrow strait and promontory of our mortal life we stand between what was and is not yet any privileged person who had been admitted to the sacred interior of mr gurner's home at this period could hardly have failed to perceive a change in that gentleman's manner of living nay even in the man himself though here the difference being more subtle would naturally have been more difficult to define it was one of jared gurner's idiosyncrasies however to keep himself very much to himself so far as the domestic hearth was concerned and to invite no one to his house unless for some special reason grounded upon self-interest few visitors had ever been allowed the privileges of the intimate friendship which jared had accorded to mr leyburne he had his friends chosen comrades and allies but these he was in the habit of meeting at certain favourite taverns in the neighbourhood where social intercourse was less restrained than it might have been in his own house and the materials for conviviality were ready to hand i don't want anybody spying about my place mr gurner was wont to remark an observation not altogether complimentary to those boon companions whose jovial society gave wings to his evening hours thus it happened that there were few to remark the change that had come over the spirit of jared gurner's life inside the house in voysey street the gossips outside took note of the fact that mrs gurner bought more butcher's meat than in former years and that jared came home tipsy oftener than of old and worked less as testified by the darkness of the first-floor front windows on many an evening instead of the cheerful glare of gas which had formerly testified to his industry prosperity therefore of some kind the voysey street gossips opined had befallen the gurners it was not that the second-hand wardrobe business was brisker than of old for the tawdry garments hung even longer in the window and the shop-door bell jingled less frequently had the gurners been blessed with a legacy that windfall from the golden apple-trees of fortune's hesperidian garden this question voysey street answered in the negative a legacy was a blessing which old mrs gurner would have bragged about it would have been heard of at the chandler's and been mentioned at the bar of king's head where mrs gurner went daily and twice a day for beer no there was something mysterious in the source of the gurner's prosperity something that voysey street could not get to the bottom of could these inquisitive spirits have entered jared's domestic circle they might have seen that his prosperity whatever its source was not an unalloyed blessing he had ever been too apt to do his work in spurts and to loaf away long gaps of time between his spasmodic bursts of industry but now the spurts of application to business were rarer his hand was less steady his eye less keen when he did work he neglected some of his best customers both in the violin and picture trade contrived to mislay a genuine straduarius back which he was to have worked into the anatomy of a modern fiddle mellowed by ten years use in an orchestra whereby that instrument would have become according to the dealer's warranty a genuine straduarius he dawdled over a picture for a patron whom he would formerly have put himself out of the way to serve in a word jared gurner who had never trodden the fairest highways of life was now on the road to ruin 
Mrs. Gurner perceived and lamented this decadence of her son, and bewailed it in many a rhapsody upon the obscure ways of fate, poured into the ear of the desultory handmaiden who now came for three or four hours a day to help in the housework, but rather as a semi-soliloquy, or involuntary flow of eloquence, like the philosophic outbursts of a Greek chorus, than as a positive address to this damsel. True that there was less difficulty about the water-rate than in days of yore, and that solid butcher's meat usurped the place of such cheaper delicacies as tripe, sausages, cow-heel, and sheep's head on Mrs. Gurner's board. Yet even this abundance brought no sense of satisfaction to that depressed householder's mind, for there was an air of insecurity about Jared's life which troubled her more than the small perplexities of the past. Perhaps Mrs. Gurner felt these anxieties all the more keenly for lack of the accustomed confidant of all her woes louisa was missing from that small household and no one in voysey street knew whither she had departed a cab had been seen in the autumnal dawn two years ago by a few early risers voysey street was not famous for early hours a cab laden with a trunk and a bonnet-box both new standing at mrs gurner's door and louisa had been seen to enter this cab while jared in shirt-sleeves and slippers gave instructions to the cabman father and daughter had been seen to kiss affectionately and part and from that day to this voysey street knew louisa gurner no more mrs gurner when questioned by her gossips replied that louisa was in a situation whereupon some among her intimates remarked to each other that they hoped it was a situation which became a young woman to be in but that they for their parts never liked mystery and were inclined to think that old mrs gurner wouldn't be quite so close about that dark-eyed granddaughter of hers if there were not something to hide from the searching light of public opinion the house or that portion of it which the gurners occupied had a dreary air without loose quick step and snatches of song and brightly dark face flashing out from shadowy corners as the girl moved briskly to and fro the hireling who did lose work for half a crown a week and her dinner was afflicted with red hair and white eyelashes was moreover slightly deaf very slow in her movements and subject to chronic influenza it has been my lot in life to lose every creature that belonged to me remarked mrs gurner drearily as she took her place at the dinner-table after a somewhat exasperating morning's work with this girl jared not long risen from his late-sought couch unwashed uncombed and in his favourite negligee costume of shirt-sleeves and rusty black velvet smoking-cap yawned and stretched as he listlessly contemplated the board where a shoulder of mutton roasted to a turn and basted with heroic constancy by mrs gurner's own hand and a savoury mess of creamy-looking onion-sauce invited his languid appetite well you haven't lost me anyhow old lady he said between two yawns i'm not so sure about that neither jared bemoaned the afflicted mother so far as sleeping under the same roof at hours when respectable folks are up and about and making believe to eat your meals here for a healthy appetite you have none i'll allow that i haven't lost you but you're no more the jared you used to be a few years ago than the hair under my false front is the colour it was when i was twenty years of age and people called me the pretty mrs gurner ah said jared with a careless sigh all things change it's the first law of nature man's yesterday may ne'er be like his morrow not may endure but mutability there's a poetry for you and sound sense into the bargain you don't always find them together i shouldn't complain of your changing jared whimpered mrs gurner looking despondently at the plate of meat which her son had just handed her and helping herself to onion sauce with an air of being above such trivial considerations as sauce to meat if i could get to the bottom of it and knew what had brought it about 
but i can't and i don't there was never a mother who had less of her son's confidence than i have you spend our quarter's income before the quarter's half over and then when there isn't a penny in the house and no resource open to you that i know of you go out some evening and come back after midnight very much worse for liquor and with your pocket full of sovereigns come stop that howling cried jared sternly the slumbering tiger in that gentleman's breast fully awakened by this time i don't think you've any reason to complain you live better than you've ever lived before since i can remember you haven't the tax-gatherer hounding you or the landlord pressing for his rent and you may shut up that tin-pot shop of yours to-morrow if you like and fold your arms and sit by the fire and do nothing but nag you'll never leave that off while there's a tongue in your head for the rest of your days what does it matter to you how i come by my money or what i do with it so long as i keep a good home over your head and fill your inside with first-class victuals that's all very well jared but it isn't enough for a mother a mother's anxieties are not so easily stifled i want to know where your money comes from why i work hard for some of it don't i growled mr gurner pushing away his plate after a vain attempt to do justice to that well-cooked shoulder precious little can you get by the work you do nowadays jared well you know where the most of our money comes from at any rate i know there's three hundred a year allowed us and a very liberal allowance too and one that might keep us with comfort and in a more respectable neighbourhood than Voysey street if you weren't so reckless hang your respectable neighbourhoods what do i want with a respectable neighbourhood where there's nothing but psalm singing old tabbies who would be on the listen to catch me coming home late a nest of gossips where a man can't take an extra glass or stand at his doorstep of an evening with a clay pipe in his mouth without setting the whole street magging about him you may make your mind easy about that if ever i leave voysey street it will be to go farther afield than you'll care to travel with me i said so sobbed mrs gurner i felt it hanging over me you'll be the next to desert me i shall do it pretty quick if you don't put a check upon that worrying tongue of yours responded jared sharply there i don't want a chapter in lamentations make the best of life if you can most women in your place would think themselves uncommonly lucky after the stroke of good fortune that happened to us a year or two ago it hasn't made my life any brighter jared it has robbed me of the only one of my kith and kin that i had to care for except you and it has made you and me farther apart than we used to be that's what i call highfalutin retorted jared if you expect that i am to sit at home and mope when i've a shilling to spare for a lively evening at the hare and hounds or in the pit of a theatre where there's a good burlesque on you expect too much human nature is human nature all the world over and i'm too much of a man to be exempt from the weaknesses of mankind mrs gurner sighed and desisted from her complainings she knew jared well enough to know that it was perilous to push him too far vegetable dish covers and pewter pots flying meteor-like across the room were phenomena that had been beheld in Boise street the year wore on the second year of dr ollivant's wedded life and jared gurner seemed to grow daily less inclined for work the dust lay thick upon the implements of his handicraft the little jars and pots of oil and varnish and turpentine the rags and sponges and flannels accumulated in a heterogeneous heap upon a table in the first-floor front which was at once jared's workshop bedchamber and private sitting-room the chamber where the lamia picture had been painted the canvas still stood there its face turned to the wall 
dusty cobweb garnished incomplete forgotten like that worst of all ruins a wasted life as time went by jared loved work less and pleasure more he extended his circle of acquaintance out of doors and the agreeable element of female society began to enter more freely into his life he speculated a little on the turf in a public-house parlor way went to hampton races with a jovial party wore a white hat and blue necktie dressed altogether more smartly than of old and was often in want of money three hundred a year that fixed income which mr gurner received from some unknown source was not enough to support him in idleness and provide him with pleasure it happens unfortunately for those gay spirits who derive all their gladness from external things and whose mirth requires to be stimulated and sustained by perpetual amusement that a day's pleasure generally costs more than a week's maintenance the people who get rich are those who are content with the bread and cheese of life and jog on at an even pace through an industrial career to find themselves too late perhaps for enjoyment but not too late for pride owners of large fortunes jared's amusements though coarse were costly and the income which administered by mrs gurner might have sufficed for comfort and gentility in jared's hands was always running out and leaving a blank and dismal interval to be supplied somehow these periods of dearth were especially irritating to mr gurner's temper a temper which had never known the curb but had been allowed from jared's earliest boyhood as free and wild a career as that of an untamed mustang on the texan prairie and which had been rendered more violent of late by constant alcohol even mrs gurner ceased her strophes and antistrophes of lamentation when jared was in one of his tempers for his fits of passion lasted longer than of old and were less amenable to the softening influence of hot suppers and gin and water at such times she waited upon him with submissive attention and was discreetly taciturn knowing too well how light a breath would fan the smouldering fire into a destroying blaze it was early in june and voysey street resounded with a cry of mackerel at three a shilling when mr gurner came home in the vesper hour with gloomy aspect and strong symptoms of that moral hydrophobia to which he was subject that early return to the domestic hearth was in itself an indication of empty pockets for if mr gurner had been provided with money he would most likely have betaken himself to the hare and hounds or to the king's head at this hour to solace himself with gin and water cold without and discuss the odds about the runners in the hampton races which were now on to-morrow being the great day too well did mrs gurner know the meaning of her son's clouded brow as he swung open the parlour door walked past her without a word and flung himself into his easy-chair by the fireless grate the matron was drinking tea with the accompaniment of a penny twist a pat of fresh butter fast reducing itself to oil and a plate of shrimps too long alienated from their native deep upon my soul the place isn't fit to live in mother cried mr gurner falling foul of these innocent crustaceans if you must have shrimps you might as well have them fresh and not poison my inside with such things as those i must take them as they come to voysey street jared sighed mrs gurner plaintively you can't expect the best of everything in such a neighbourhood as this a neighbourhood that wasn't much to boast of when first we came to it and has been going down ever since as fast as it can go if you don't like the shrimps you're not called upon to partake of them but i am called upon to smell em you'd better go and chuck em on the dust-heap if you don't want to drive me out of the place it isn't much of a place for a man to come to at the best of times without you turning it into a cholera den with unwholesome food mrs gurner groaned feebly took up the plate and went out into the back premises to sacrifice the offending shellfish which she cast upon the family altar of the dust-heap with a regretful sigh 
i'm sure i'm not likely to do anything calculated to drive you out of doors jared she said for i see little enough of you nowadays you'd see less if it wasn't for my infernal luck responded her dutiful son i ought to have been at hampton to-day instead of eating my heart out and kicking my heels up and down fleet street waiting for the telegrams at the sporting news office i should have thought you'd seen enough of the consequences of horse-racing to keep clear of it jared moaned the despondent mother i've seen the evil consequences of betting with other people's money if that's what you mean answered mr gurner impatiently but i'm not going to join in the cant your parsons and such like talk about the turf because there are always a certain number of fools who make it their road to ruin does anybody fall foul of the stock exchange yet there are plenty of stockbrokers go to the bad every year of our lives or who stands up to abuse the cotton trade or the coal trade or the shipping interest yet there are failures enough in all of em of course i've seen men cleaned out on the turf and i've seen omnibus cads and butchers boys make half a million of money and keep their houses in hyde park gardens through horse-racing am i never to try to better myself because men have gone to the bad before me if horse-racing improved your temper jared or made you seem happier in your mind why i might shut my eyes to the experience of the past and reconcile myself to your enjoying life your own way said mrs gurner venturing somewhat farther than wisdom would have counselled beguiled by her son's manner which was moody and despondent rather than violent you'd have had nothing to say against horse racing i dare say if soap suds had come in winter to-day and i'd brought home a pocket full of money i don't know about that jared remembering what i remember i should fancy the sovereign smelt of van diemen's land oh lord can't you let bygones be bygones exclaimed jared turning impatiently in his chair and proceeding to conquer the lingering odours of fish with the fumes of cavendish and virginia that's the worst of old people they remember too much and are always preaching about the past it would be a blessed thing for us if we could all have a dip in the waters of lethe once a year and come out fresh and lively yes sighed mrs gurner life would come easier if we could forget by the way mother said jared with a complete change of tone and something of that agreeable manner which had been wont to distinguish him when things went well you haven't paid away that three pound ten i gave you for the rates the other day have you the poor rate collector has been and taken his money jared which the receipt is on the mantelpiece to confirm my words the water has not called but i expect him to-morrow morning how much is the water rate one pound three and six then you can let me have the money for a day or two mother i want to go a little way in the country to-morrow on business and that'll just pay my expenses it's your own to do what you please with of course jared replied mrs gurner reluctantly but i'm bound to tell you the water will be cut off to-morrow night if the rate isn't ready when the collector calls oh nonsense we've been precious regular lately he has called twice already jared very well the next step will be a summons i dare say i'll pay the rate before the week's out hand us over the money old lady mrs gurner fumbled in the pocket of her gown and then in an under pocket with a slowness particularly exasperating to her son who pulled at his pipe feverishly while he watched her movements at last however she withdrew her skinny hand from that receptacle in her quilted stuff petticoat and produced some money screwed up in a piece of newspaper which jared straightway pounced upon counted at a glance and dropped into his waistcoat pocket 
thank you mother you needn't give yourself any uneasiness about the water rate if it comes to that he added seeing the gathering tears in his parents faded eyes you can always turn on the waterworks yourself there never was such an old party to snivel good night are you going out again jarred yes i have an appointment with a fellow who is going to give me a ten years to restore round the corner i shan't be above an hour ah sighed mrs gurner as the door banged behind her departing son i know what jarred's hours are there's no use in getting him a savoury little bit of supper nowadays he's never home in time to eat it and his appetite wouldn't do credit to a sparrow jarred had taken the money from his mother in order to provide for to-morrow's expenses at hampton he had set his heart on going to the races for he had speculated somewhat heavily on certain events of the day and he wanted to see his confidence rewarded to be there on the spot to know the best or the worst as soon as it could be known that waiting for tidings on the broiling flags of fleet street had sorely tried his impatient spirit had he been wise even in the pursuit of folly jared gurner would have asked his mother to give him the money next morning for once furnished with ready cash it was not within the compass of his nature to sit quietly at home he would go round to the king's head take a glass of gin and water in the skittle alley which was a cooler place of resort than the parlour on such an evening as this and watch the play he was fully determined not to touch a ball whatever form social temptation might take and jared broad-shouldered long-armed muscular was a famous skittle player he had lost and won many a shilling at this game but won oftener than he lost and might have come off a winner in the long run had he confined his risks to skittle playing it was the bedding in the parlour that wrecked him he wended his way to his favourite hostelry a house which looked so clean and cool and respectable on a summer evening that a wanderer from some distant sphere beholding a tavern for the first time might have supposed it the chosen home of innocence and peace the shining pewter measures the pewter counter the gilded lettering of spirit casks gleamed in the rosy beams of a setting sun the spirit of tranquil enjoyment seemed to hover over the scene as jared pushed open the swinging door of that inner temple the sanctuary of the privileged known as the order department and passed thence by a side door into a shadowy sanded passage which led to the skittle alley ordering his refreshment of the attendant nymph at the bar as he went by the evening sports were in full swing his chosen friends among the players and lookers-on talk and laughter loud the lights shining dimly through an atmosphere cloudy with tobacco jared felt that he began to live again and with him life meant unbridled inclinations the pleasure of the hour to be paid for in the future perhaps and heavily but these free souls seldom count the cost it was eight o'clock when jared joined the revellers in the skittle alley he left it at half-past ten a sadder but not a wiser man for to the extent of the sum reserved for the water rate reckless angry with fate and with his own fatuity and with a somewhat unreasonable sense of resentment against mrs gurner for having so weakly yielded up the money which he had demanded from her if the old woman had only stuck to it till to-morrow morning i might have had a jolly day at hampton he said to himself as it is i've very little chance of seeing the races unless jobury does the good-natured thing and gives me a lift in his tax-cart jobury was a sporting butcher one of the boldest spirits in mr gurnall's circle who plunged heavily and was supposed to be in a fair way to attaining distinction on the turf there was a vague tradition that jobury had once had a fourth share in a famous three-year-old and had just escaped greatness by losing the derby 
Jared strolled round to Joebury's abode, but found the gentleman had not yet placed himself under the shelter of his penities, but was expected home to supper any time before midnight. Mrs. Joebury, a depressed and somewhat peevish-looking female, gave Jared this information reluctantly, and having given it, slammed the street door in his face, hardly affording him time to state his intention of favouring Mr. Joebury with a later call. There are wives whose ill-regulated minds cannot appreciate the glories of the turf, jared muttered an imprecation upon his eumenides whom he was wont to revile rather than to conciliate and turned away from mr joebury's threshold scarcely knowing whither to betake himself he paused at the street corner to light his pipe and took a turning which brought him into good street he walked down charles street and mortimer street crossed regent street and entered the aristocratic region of cavendish square once here the inclination to push on to wimpole street was too strong to be resisted he had drunk just enough to make him reckless true that he was pledged not to approach dr ollivant's dwelling on pain of forfeiting all claim to occasional largesse from that gentleman but jared cherished an inward conviction that whatever the doctor might threaten he jared possessed just that power to worry his victim which could not be denied that however the native manhood of the victim might rise up against him ready to defy his capacity for working evil the end would be subjection and subsidy this idea strengthened and sustained by alcohol fortified mr gurner to-night as he knocked a spirited double knock at the doctor's door the factotum who had seen him two or three times before and regarded him with marked disfavour looked at him dubiously the family at home the ladies are at the villa at teddington sir my master is in town but i don't think he will see you at such a late hour as this oh yes he will said jared with a swaggering air he felt a very big man before this meek-voiced butler he'll see me yes said a voice from the back of the hall i'll see you walk this way if you please dr ollivant had opened the door of his consulting-room disturbed perhaps by jared's loud knock he stood upon the threshold of that sacred chamber waiting for his guest to pass in jared was slightly disconcerted by the promptitude of his reception it would have suited his present temperament better to have had occasion to bluster a little before he obtained admittance that very quietude of the doctor's manner chilled him he took off his hat hastily and shifted the brim round with somewhat nervous movement of his ungloved hands i dare say you are rather surprised by the hour of my call dr ollivant he began not at all one hardly expects a man of your stamp to be particular about hours but i am very much surprised that you should come here at all why so because by so doing you forfeit all claim upon my future consideration i think i put that to you very clearly when last we met oh come i say doctor exclaimed jared flinging himself into one of the substantial morocco-covered chairs a chair so respectable of make and antecedents that it may well have resented this degrading contact with an agonized creak come i say doctor repeated jared throwing his hat upon the table as if it had been a glove let's talk plain english while we're about it there's nothing like sticking to plain english what you call future consideration i call hush money that's english now do you mean to say that because impelled by the force of circumstances there was a thickness of utterance a throatiness as singers call it in jared's long words that made him rather difficult to follow just here because i find myself at devilish low water in a financial sense 
and come here to you to ask a favour as between man and man i say as between man and man repeated jared pleased with the phrase that you mean to turn rusty and say i am never to get another blessed fiver out of you on account of holding my tongue about that little affair down at branscombe i do mean most emphatically to say that you shall never more have a sixpence from me by way of hush money and that i despise myself for having been weak enough to let you make a criminal transaction out of an unhappy accident come you've had the best of it so far you got rid of a dangerous rival and you got the lady you were sweet upon i'll trouble you to keep my wife's name out of the business and to reserve your speculations upon my affairs i told you before my marriage that whatever money i gave you henceforth i would give in my own manner and at my own time that i acknowledge no claim and that any approach to persecution on your part would be met on my side by defiance there may be men who would consent to hold their domestic peace on the sufferance of a scoundrel of your class for a lifetime but i am not one of those men it may be that you have the power to destroy my happiness but you must be aware that in so doing you destroy your own chances of future advantage i am willing to supply you with small sums of money from time to time since no single amount in the present however large would secure you from future want or me from future annoyance i am willing to do this on the one condition that you will keep your distance and assail me neither by letter nor by visit and suppose i say that i will be bound by no such condition and that i will choose my own time and be governed by my own necessities in applying to you for assistance what would be your answer to that per 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 proposition dr ollivant a very brief and practical answer i should give you in charge for attempting to extort money and stand the racket eh and abide the issue of anything you could say about me do you for one moment suppose looking at my position and at yours that the world would believe any unlikely story you might tell against me i'm not thinking of what the world would believe dr ollivant i'm thinking of your wife how my story would affect her that's the consideration she can't have quite forgotten the young man she kept company with come now i don't want to be disagreeable but business is business i'm bound to attend hampton races to-morrow and i haven't a stiver to pay my fare down or to clear my engagements if things go against me give me a ten-pound note and you shall hear no more of me for the next six months you are very obliging but i gave you my ultimatum when last you favoured me with a call i will send you a post-office order for ten pounds on the twenty-ninth of next september and will send you the same amount on every ensuing quarter-day but i will not give you one shilling in this house or in compliance with an insolent demand i didn't come here to be insolent i came here because i was in desperate want of money don't aggravate a man that's down on his luck dr ollivant unlucky men are reckless and reckless men are dangerous i'm unlucky therefore i'm dangerous there's a silo silo what's his name for you doctor you have had my answer so be it replied jared drawing himself together with the stateliness of intoxication remember my syllogy what's its name ergo i'm dangerous good night 
he stalked to the door like the ghost in hamlet holding his hat as though it were that kingly phantom's truncheon you've given me your ultimatum i've given you my sillo syllogism good night he murmured thickly and so departed through the hall and out at the street door to the last preserving that air of hamlet's father the doctor watching him dr ollivant rang the bell sharply as the door closed on his visitor take care never again to admit that person he said to the man of all work yes sir he is a man i have assisted and who has become importunate should he press for admittance at any time you may give him in charge certainly sir dr ollivant went back to his consulting-room that vault-like chamber lined from floor to ceiling with gravest books presided over by bronze busts of galen and hippocrates apollo and hygeia that chamber sacred to science and thought chamber where completest peace had reigned in dull serenity till passion entered there he sighed as he sat down by the table where the volume he had been reading lay open under the shaded lamp thank god she was not in the house he said to himself that man's presence poisons the atmosphere i'm glad i defied him he is just the kind of scoundrel to revenge himself at the cost of his own chances i verily believe yet i think i had rather the worst should come than go on holding my peace at his mercy the position was too pitiful i feel myself a man again now that i have defied him then after a pause of deepest thought he said let the worst come i have been entirely happy there is something in that is the remembrance of departed joy a sorrow's crown of sorrow i say no across the bleakest desert life knows that unforgotten golden land of joy shines like the lights of a distant haven across the barren sea i am content to die having been so utterly happy i have said to the moment tarry thou art so fair then let the bell of doom sound let the last hour strike i have lived long enough i have had my day i can afford to say with othello if it were now to die twere now to be most happy he lifted his head from its drooping attitude and his face was lighted with a gloomy joy and if he goes to my love and tells his story tells it in his own lying fashion will she believe him against her experience of me will all i have ever been to her pass out of her mind in a moment and only resentment remain will all my love for her be too little to set against a stranger's slander will her foolish fancy for that dead man rise up against me strong as in the first hour of her sorrow for his loss who can reckon the impulses of a woman's heart hers is pure and true and good but would the affection i have kindled there survive the knowledge of the truth would she cleave to me sinner as i am and forgive me as mary magdalen was forgiven because i have loved much who can tell at the worst i am glad i brought matters to an issue i can tolerate that man as a pensioner but i will not endure him as a persecutor dr ollivant was to sleep in wimpole street that night he had only returned that afternoon from the north of england whither he had flown as fast as express trains could convey him to attend a noble patient there was time enough yet at half-past eleven for him to catch the midnight train to teddington but he was not expected there and it was wiser perhaps to avoid seeing flora until there had been time for him to recover completely from the agitation of that interview with mr gurner 
so much as he yearned to see the fair young face to look into the innocent eyes and find hope and comfort and promise of fidelity there he stayed in the quiet old london house and sat late into the night reading knowing how little hope of peaceful slumber there was for him that night the clear cold light of earliest morning a sunless solemn light like the light of some unknown world looked in upon him from the open windows of the staircase as he went up to his room calmer in mind and less expectant of evil than he had been some hours ago after all he said to himself the chances against that man betraying me are a hundred to one he has everything to gain by silence the sacrifice of the pension i offered him would be too costly an indulgence of malice End of chapter twenty nine